How's it going everybody and welcome to episode number 29 of Master My Garden Podcast. In this week's episode I'm joined by Brian McCarthy from Cork Rooftop Farm. Now Brian is going to tell us the story about the farm itself and it's really an amazing story. It started off as uh, a COVID stroke lockdown project between himself and his friend Ty and both of them found that during lockdown they were uh, their jobs were, were closed down for a couple of weeks and they decided that they were going to do something to fill their time. Now, they intended to grow a little bit of veg for themselves and I suppose that changed into something quite a bit bigger as time went on and they formed what is now Cork Rooftop Farm. So it's a brilliant story, uh, a story that shows you what you can do you know, in any environment in terms of growing, but particularly in an urban environment and in terms of food production in urban environments where you know, up until now, there is, I suppose, small scale production of food within cities, but going back a number of years ago, it was quite widespread. And to be able to produce food in cities, be it on a small scale or be it on a large scale, is very, very possible. And I suppose this story shows us that. It's a great story, really interesting. And if you follow them on, on Instagram and on Facebook, they're they're regular uh, with videos and updates as to what's happening on the farm. It really is an inspirational and great story. So let's get stuck in to this week's episode. So firstly, Brian, you're very, very welcome to Master My Garden podcast. Thanks a million. Thanks a million. Glad to be on here. So, uh, as I said, it's great to have you on. Your your story is after catching the eye a lot over the last couple of months, and I suppose it started out for, uh, from what I'm told as a sort of a COVID project or a lockdown project. So maybe you might tell us a little bit about where it started and what the idea was, and then we'll get into you know how you got into gardening sure. or, or farming as as it is in your case. Yeah. Um, so I suppose. Like many, um, at the end, when the, the lockdown came in, um, my whole, I, I have a wholesale flower company and we had to close um, for the lockdown period. And yeah. I, on an average week, would work maybe 70 hours from that business. So it'd be a busy, busy company. And to go from that to, to, to not, I really didn't uh, didn't fancy that too much you needed um, something absolutely and uh, my friend Ty she also uh, she worked in a, in, in, in a, as a waitress and she she lost her job and we were both kind of left twiddling our thumbs so we said uh, why don't we grow some some veg and fruit and herbs for ourselves you know um, like many kind of did, they t- people turned to, to gardening as a as a pastime for the COVID period, and and, and uh, initially we were going to grow in a courtyard adjacent to my apartment. Um, it would have been it's about roughly thirty meters squared, and but the aspect wasn't great, access wasn't great, and there was you know there was a couple of things that were, uh, didn't make it ideal really. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, so the wholesale flower business uh, used to be located in the city centre, and uh, my father owns this building adjacent to where I live, um, and it has a flat rooftop, uh, six thousand eight hundred square foot rooftop, 
and we were looking at it one day and Ty said maybe we put it here uh, <laughs> and at first I was a bit uh, cautious um, the rooftop had been only refelted about five years ago um, and I really didn't know what the capacity of the rooftop was for holding weight etc so I said look that's all tough a while. Uh, we got a we got a, a structural engineer to look at it, um, and he gave us the green light in terms of what we were looking to do and with weight and all the rest of it and the amount of soil that we were going to put up here, um, and we kind of set about then just getting a plan together and trying to trying to see how best we grow. So we started looking at what other rooftop. Uh, you know, growing situations were around the world. Um, it wasn't a small space, and we didn't really intend intend on filling it all initially. Um, we just wanted to grow enough food, our food for for ourselves to to have a nice fresh supply of quality organic produce for ourselves. Um, and that's really what our initial goal was. Um, from day one, we kind of started it, you know, documenting everything on Instagram. Literally from the very first day, um, I thought it might be a, a cool way to to chart the story of what we were doing. Yeah. Uh, and if people had interest, then fair enough. And if not, you know, I, I, I had no preconceived notions of anything, really. I just wanted to, to grow some, some, some veg and... Uh, yeah, so we did that, and I mean, really within a very short space of time, people started to kind of get very interested in what we were doing, um, and you know, we we the first thing we did, I suppose, was we started building the raised beds um, that were going to hold all the soil that we were going to grow in. We got a polytunnel, um, and like everybody during the lockdown as well, I mean. It was difficult to get access to materials and get access to seed and soil and everything because you couldn't travel and unless you you couldn't travel and everybody was looking for it as well. It was yeah, it was a bit of a crazy time. And it was like we were just kind of scavenging what we could. We ordered seed online, so that was good. Um, we couldn't get trays or anything to grow the seed in, so we ended up using cardboard boxes lined with plastic. Um, one of the first things we did on the rooftop is we got access to water so we got water up here so that was that was important um and that was and actually one one of my questions so wh- what what water source are you using are you, are you using mains and yeah we're on mains water supply here so um, you were able to get it up onto the roof yeah we were yeah we ran a, a pipe up from the the mains and um so that that meant we could get started growing straight away um yeah. and um so we yeah we got the seeds so sowed all the seed and um, got that going and um, got, yeah put it into our, our little polytunnel which we picked up for 300 euro in a shop near here and <laughs> did the job it's a nice little 20 by 10 foot uh, polytunnel and we didn't really anchor it down too well and I'd say personally I put a, did a bad job of putting it together first day um, but it did the job Um and it got us started and within a short period of time uh we were kind of put the 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 the, the, the transplants and the seedlings that were in the the, the polytunnel were putting 
putting us under pressure to get the raised beds done because they were bursting out and we had no nowhere to transplant nowhere them to put them into so, yeah yeah so we eventually got soil delivered up onto the roof um that was a bit of a chore so we we couldn't get deliveries we had no problem ordering soil but we had a big problem getting it delivered to us and um, we're up about uh here just just under five meters off the ground here and uh, so anything that has to come up here either has to be dropped on with a, a crane or has to be walked up flights of stairs so soil wasn't an option for flights of stairs so we got it delivered in cubic meter bags with and whoever was going to be delivering it needed to do it with had to have a, a grab or a crane or whatever so uh, we ordered 20 cubic meters of soil wow. um, uh, so that was the initial initial order and it was just myself and Ty to, to help the delivery guy offload it um, no need for a gym that week no no, not at all um, so we put everything onto pallets we dropped all the bags of soil onto pallets which made it manoeuvrable around the roof um, we used pallet trucks then to bring them around the roof and uh, this pallet trucks hadn't been serviced in about 20 years that we were using so both of them broke on the day <laughs> um, but we 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 got it done anyway we got it done um, and then we set to um, filtering all the soil getting all the stones out of it that took about two weeks um, and putting it into the beds and finishing off the lining of the beds the raised beds and getting them into position etc um, so by kind of the middle of May we had done all the raised beds and had them filled and we had start, we started then to plant out our transplants yeah. um, by the middle of May um, unfortunately my mother passed away uh, of cancer and that, sorry to hear that yeah no thank you um, and that's kind of I suppose in the lead up to that um, obviously I'd been going through all the the, the, the tough time of watching your, your mum being quite ill and then having the funeral uh, especially during COVID times which was uh, bizarre yeah. um, and just kind of crap really yeah not, not, um, not, not the way we're used to them here in Ireland anyway for no, sure no um, no but um, um, so I had that and then and then the, the immediate aftermath so like all the way through that process the rooftop farm has been um, invaluable in terms of um, an outlet for myself to just um, bit of headspace, channel, a bit of headspace yeah a bit of headspace and channel my energy into something positive you know? yeah. um, you mentioned just to, to step back a little bit you mentioned that you started to document the whole journey on, on Instagram and uh, yeah I've been watching it since quite early in the time as well and I suppose what it was and it really did catch fire on Instagram like I don't know what your level of followers are but it's it's mm. certainly it's certainly a big number and from yeah. a standing start and I think the story itself and the fact that you were documenting it okay there was a couple of things happening probably people were, were, were trying to do something similar themselves on a smaller scale maybe were, were picking ideas from you but I think more than that it was a story of, of uh, I suppose a story of inspiration or a, a good news story at a time when everything else was a bit dour and, and all the rest of it so um, fair play to you on that like it definitely was as I say sort of a good news thread the whole way through um, yeah for, I think you know we, we, we documented what we did but I think if you documented what everyone has been doing around the country gardening I'd say 
there's there's a, a thousand more stories like it out there. Do you know, it's, I mean, I think the upsurge in growing and gardening and um, has been a remarkable, really, what people have, have have started doing themselves. Yeah, it's one it's one of the biggest things to come out of it, and like people were doing it with so it's people that were typically families that were working, maybe two people working, um, yeah. dashing in and out, running to football matches, running, you know, with kids and whatever not, and then they were getting this time in the garden uh, doing whatever it was, planting flowers, planting veg. And I think people found, found some, a lot of people found uh, it's a place of solace and a place of absolutely yeah. of happiness and probably happy memories and that. So yeah, there is, there's, there's, there's lots of those stories and it's great. And hopefully, you know, when things do start get back to, getting back to normality, that there's obviously not everybody will keep it up, but hopefully a lot of people will keep up some element of it because it's, it's definitely... Yeah, no, I think so. I think so. I think there's, an, and I think it's, there's been a lot of um, shifts in attitudes, which I, I hope will be maintained, you know, in terms of attitudes to food, attitudes to growing, attitudes to gardening, even slowing down of your, your pace of life. Um, all those things are positive. I think that if we looked at them from COVID, you know, it's, there's obviously been lots of challenges come out of it but I think there are lots of positive um, uh, lifestyle uh, changes for people Joe. yeah for sure and so just on, on the veg that you started with say for example so you started sowing your seeds and had you a specific plan of what you wanted to grow or was it literally what do we oh, eat ourselves no, we we, we uh, literally what we did myself and Ty went online went on to brown envelope seed and Got click happy really, um, <laughs> and just kind of uh, near. Yeah, we we ordered about a hundred and something different types of varieties uh, on the uh, on their website, and wow. um, we just said, yeah, we just went to town. We kind of said, well, if we're going to grow, um, you know, around two hundred meters squared of raised beds, then you know we'd want enough to be filling them, and we'd like a nice variety, and you know. If we are going to maybe do something for next year, I suppose it's as good a way as any to test what we do or don't like, or what does or doesn't respond well up on our rooftop environment. Yeah. Uh, so we kind of threw the kitchen sink at us in terms of all the different stuff we did. In terms of variety. Um, so yeah. maybe tell us a little bit about about obviously you're not going to name all 120, but maybe tell us about uh, some of what you've grown and maybe sure. some of the ones that have been a big success. And if there was anything yeah. that that didn't do well, just maybe mention that as well. Yeah. Um, so I suppose, like nothing we've attempted as such so far has failed in that we've had a total crop wipeout, which is positive. Yeah. Um, some things have gone better than others. Um, I would say we, um, I mean, just in terms of the basics, they've all done very well. Your potatoes, carrots, parsnips, peas, um, mm-hmm. lettuce, tomatoes. And herbs, we've had uh, sage, chives, uh, parsley, flat leaf and curly. We've had rosemary, thyme, basil, uh, coriander, um, dill, chervil. Um, so, and then we've and then in tomatoes, there's about 25 different varieties we've we've grown. Cucumbers, we've two different varieties. We've got about three different varieties of squash. We've got um, chard. Uh, we've got beetroot. Uh, white turnips, radishes, um, 
yeah there's a, there's, there's, there's a lot of edge and and yeah. the fact that nothing has really failed on you 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 have probably currently and you're going to have a lot of edge coming in so it's not all being consumed by yourselves now so what is happening with all the with all the produce yeah so i mean in terms of scale of what we're doing right now it's i suppose it's still relatively small uh, like i mean, I mean so but we, what we have in excess we sell um and we sell to kind of local local uh, green or uh, restaurants so we have a few local restaurants and brilliant that that are that are that are buying our stuff and it's it's really 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 positive and I mean they're literally on our doorstep. It's like if they want stuff, they walk up and come up onto the roof and have a look and see what they want and take it and we wait and away they go. So, and it's an amazing thing to be able to do for for a restaurant. And I know it happens quite a bit in in other cities around the world and not so much in Ireland where where they're they're growing veg. Not always on rooftops, so I know they grow them in 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 certain parts. They grow them in the in the very old sewer systems. They have I know it's artificial lights down there, or whatnot. But but to have the you know, food sources grown within cities and then literally coming up a coming up a stairs or down a stairs and into a restaurant like you, you can't get better than that in terms of in terms of I know we spoke a little bit about quality and yeah, you know, the, the taste. It's, it's 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 a massive difference. I mean for. Even for a head of lettuce, like it loses something like fifty percent of its nutrient value within twenty four hours. It's, it's it's a massive, massive amount. So like to have it same day, just it's 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 there's no comparison. So um, yeah, in terms of nutrients, there's no comparison. In terms of taste, there's no comparison. So it's, definitely, it's, definitely, it's brilliant. Um, yeah, um, you're growing a little bit of fruit as well, aren't you? We do. I mean, like I suppose well, tomatoes would be the main fruit crop that we have here. But uh, we have chilies. We have, uh, I think we have seven or eight different types of chilies. Um, I have two olive trees up here, which are standing in pride of place. <laughs> um, I don't expect to be able to press any olives into a nice bottle of oil anytime soon. But uh, they're quite sizable. They're about seven, eight feet tall, both both trees, and they have a substantial amount of olives on them. But I think it's it's uh, that's more of a long term thing. Um, and we, I mean. I definitely want to get more fruiting trees up here in buried bushes, but I suppose soil depth is a bit of an issue for yeah, us be, up on the rooftop for that. That'd be a challenge, uh, but it's not impossible, yeah. I guess. No, it's not. But it'll, it'll be container growing. I can't really, you know, so we'll we'll have to see. I think maybe for next year we were a bit late for this year. Strawberries will definitely be one we want to do a good crop on next year. Um, and and um, we'll, we'll get a setup going for that, but we kind of just missed the boat on it this year, unfortunately. Yeah. Um. And I think we'll we'll definitely gear up for more fruit for next year because, um, yeah, we just it, it was difficult. It was very difficult for us to get it. You know, um, in the initial stages of the lockdown, it was very difficult to get fruit, um, of any sort. Um, we just couldn't get the plants. And then by the time we got to the season where we could get out and get them, we didn't have the space to devote to it, and we couldn't really. We didn't have the budget to devote to it either, really. You know, yeah, so, yeah. Um, you can get. I'm sure you. I'm sure you know. You can get um, quite big strawberry crowns that are coming out of cold storage, and for your situation where you're starting fresh, I think they'd be the best option going into yeah. going into next spring. You'll get. I forget the lead time, but it's it's very very short lead time. Oh, very good. And then you get so you get obviously a super crop of fruit, but then you're you're able to to capture the runners off it then so you're able to multiply your crop and uh, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Def- that sounds yeah no I think the more we can 
can uh, or increase our crop for free then happy days you know yeah. I mean, that's those types of those types of tricks are are, are really important yeah, i get i get you the name the name where to go for them because they it, it, it it's i i bought six of them i don't three yeah. or four years ago and bumper crops off them and now i probably Away. have 25 to 30 strawberry plants and each of them is given the same sort of level of crop so it's um they're brilliant but um yeah it's brilliant so you've you've done quite a bit in terms of gardening you, like you have tunnels up there which mm-hmm. i saw very recently you've added in an irrigation system into it uh, i know you're utilizing vertical growing a little bit yes. and you're also composting up there so you're doing a lot of gardening things up there uh utilizing a lot of gardening techniques up there um have you always been green fingered or have you been learning as you go you're in the flower uh, no. business, so I'm, I'm sure yeah. there is some level of green fingers there. Anyway, oh uh, yeah, I'd have a, I would have always had a bit of an interest in it, but you know, never done anything on this scale, or never really envisaged doing anything on this scale. To be honest, um, like my father would have always had a nice homestead, uh, veg garden, um, and I suppose I would have been exposed to growing that way all my life, um, but. In terms of the techniques and all the rest of it, I wouldn't really have had a huge amount of experience. I would have known basics, but nothing in depth or nothing about particular crops. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so a lot, a lot of it has been learning on the hoof and uh, figuring it out as we go. I mean, the irrigation system, for example, that we just put in uh, in the last couple of days, um, like never ever done anything like that. But I think when you break down the elements and you you just go through it step by step. Um, it, it it it's not too complex, um, you know. And, and I, I think the main thing that I've taken from doing everything we've done on the rooftop is just don't let any don't don't get daunted by the I know some some task that may seem impossible. You know, like if you just break things down to, to simple steps, and there's so much resources nowadays online. It's it's mad. You know, yeah. you'll get. If you have a question, you'll get the answer. It, it really is as simple as that. YouTube yeah. college for a day, and you'll you'll, you'll, get, exactly. you'll get all your answers. Yeah, you know, um, and it's it's been it's been it's been how we've learned. You know, truthfully, um, I did travel to a course in Sweden in the middle of July uh, on um, farm design, um, and. That was incredible. I went to Ridgedale Farm with Richard Perkins in July, and that was that that kind of supercharged me, I guess, in terms okay. of knowledge and enthusiasm for what we're doing uh, and the and the, in the direction that we go. But I suppose in terms of what we've done to date, I mean, I never would have been a carpenter, but like you know, you have to build a raised bed. You go online, you look at what a raised bed is. It's quite a simple structure, and the thing that we did is we added it onto a palace to make it. Uh, movable, you know, movable, and that was probably the bit of a, an innovation that we did. Um, yeah, and you have the ability to do that because you're on a flat, a flat, uh, solid structure, which is great. Yeah, and, and I mean that's been invaluable because we've been able to, I suppose, move with the plans moving, you know. Um, yeah. um, but you know, so you do if you break things down into simple step by steps, you know, and for myself. Uh, I've been lucky, and if I have a question, I can put it. I can put up online generally, and then I get replies. And I think you'd be surprised how many people out there there are that you can directly message, and they'll help you for 
information as well. I get quite a lot of people getting in touch with me when they have questions, and I'm more than happy to answer. If yeah, I it's great answer, to, you know? to be able to transfer information around like that. That's what yeah, it's all I about. Know, it is. It is 100% what it's all about. And you know, I, um, I'm in. I'm in the wholesale flower game, and it wouldn't have the same level of. Uh, helping out, should I say, in in that industry, and um, it's refreshing to be doing something where everyone's kind of got each other's back and they're helping yeah. each other out, and you know it's a very much a um, an open book in that regard. You know? Yeah, to to be fair, I'm I'm working in the in the garden business for I suppose it's heading for twenty five years now, and uh, yeah, there is a lot of there is a lot of. I suppose sound people in it, a lot of people willing to help, and there's a, there's always somebody that knows more than you that you can dip into. So it's it's, it's great from that point of view. Just yeah, to absolutely. step back a little bit there, you you went to the course in Sweden. So was that mm. a was that a an urban an urban farm design course or no no? no. So he's based uh, near a town called Suna, and he starts so Richard Perkins's the name and Johanna is his wife and they have a regenerative agricultural course so that would be how they phrase it um, so they started a farm there in 2012 mm-hmm. uh, I think it was and um, they've quickly built up as one of the leading training centers for I suppose regenerative agricultural practices in the world and um, uh, I don't know if you know that. Would you know the name Joel Salafin at all? I don't know. No. He'd be he'd be a quite a world famous farmer, but he's going there next month now to run a course on pasture grazing, okay, uh, with cows uh, and and sheep and, and and chickens and all the rest. And now we did that in in a very intense period of time. We did it. Not, it was a nine day course, but we covered pretty much all. It was. What, how did he put it? He said it's the course that should be trained, should be in every school in the world, and should take maybe, you know, two three years of your life. But I'm going to do it and try and do it in nine days. Basically, <laughs> how he put it. So it was very yeah. very intense. Um, enormous amounts of information, um, and huge exposure to different concepts and ideas and methodology. Um. And really, the, really inspirational, John. And the term itself, regenerative agriculture. So essentially, that means you're you're putting more back into the environment than taking out, isn't that the, Correct, the principle yeah. of it? It is. Yeah. So instead of depleting your soil and eroding the soil level, you're building your soil level. You're increasing the carbon stored in your soil. You're building the roots of your pasture lands. You're, you know, so you're you're trying to you're trying to give. Um, give back I suppose in, in your practices you're trying to build everything back up um, yeah. a, a lot of farm methodology would be quite um, degenerative in how, in how it affects it, the soil yeah to get every ounce out of every out of every blade of grass out of every inch yeah. of soil yeah whereas whereas the principles are, are yeah about putting it back a little bit it's massive what what you can lose if you don't do things in a in a in a more regenerative manner so there's lot there's lots of there's lots of ways to to, to go about it I, I i i find it i suppose like i'm only four months into this and i i don't have exposure to the 
I, I've never practiced the traditional methods of farming, so yeah. I don't feel like maybe it's my place to comment on them. But um, certainly, what I learned in Sweden, I found very exciting, uh, and um, I suppose exciting in that the principles of what he's doing there, if applied on a large scale, could potentially reverse global warming. So it's um, it's very exciting in that regard. Yeah, and there is there, there's there's a, a building momentum in in that type of farming and that type of ideology as well, which is which is only only going to improve things as time goes on. And yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's great. And as you said, it's it's interesting as well. It is. I got the, well, it's good that the solution is there. It's just really about trying to get it out there in terms of um, you know mass mass utilization of it. Then you know. Um, yeah. In terms of the the garden, the rooftop farm or the garden itself, now I know you're you're trialing sheep's wool, yes. and again that's uh, you're trialing that in place of rock wool Correct. on the tomatoes and cucumbers and peppers and so on. And that as a trial, if if you can get it to work, um, and it is working. I think I know other people are using that. So if if you can get it to work, I think that's that'll be a big yeah be a big help Massive, because rock wool. Yeah. To the best of my knowledge, rock wool can't be recycled or anything like that. No, it's 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 not compostable. It's it can be recycled, all right. Um, but I mean, again, to recycle it, you're you're uh, you're using energy again to recycle it, and um, you know that's just that's just more fossil fuels to create uh, another non-compostable material. So we're not really too happy that we have to use it and there's other products that you can use such as cocoa but i mean again i really don't see how using coconut husks in ireland is a is a sustainable form of anything either you know like yeah yeah it's all about distance again you're yeah. talking you're talking such a long travel distance before before it can be used for that purpose exactly so um, we really are looking to the sheep's wool as, a, as an, an option for the long term and for our grow towers as well to be able to use it as a medium to grow and we've just today now sown the first seed into the into the sheep's wool um, cubes and we'll see how that goes um, so I'm quite optimistic about it I mean it's very sad what's happened to the price of sheep's wool internationally um, it's it's gone uh, it's just it's just a total loss maker now for for sheep farmers. So it's 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 just being hoarded in sheds all over the country. Um, and you know, when you compare the 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 numbers on rock wool to sheep's wool, uh, from a from an economic standpoint, it is there are it's just just there's no there's no comparison really. Like I mean, for for example, for for eight kilograms of rock wool we're paying roughly 160 euro plus fat and for eight kilograms of raw sheep's wool at the moment the farmer can expect to receive probably one euro 60 yeah, yeah so like when you compare that you're kind of going ah there there has to be a way here now for for number one for the farmer to get a fair price number two for a good compostable sustainable product to be used to grow produce and uh, you know and then in turn create maybe a a, a nice byproduct that can be maybe utilised wherever around the world or you know 
because I mean an add value to it because like it's sheep's wool has been used since sheep yeah, since the beginning since, of the time since, really so exactly yeah exactly to yeah. be in a situation now where it's sitting sitting in shells in sheds just stockpiling because we don't have an economic use for it at this point in time no, just doesn't make any desperate, sense it's uh, desperate and it's it, such it a quality product sense. it's just a shame yeah. that there's no demand and like the market is the market ne- doesn't really lie in that situation if something has a low price it's because there's no demand and you know sometimes yeah. you need to create and innovate to create that demand and you know there's 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 clearly a, a demand for rockwell otherwise they wouldn't be selling it at 160 euro a carton you know so yeah. um yeah hopefully hopefully that that works that trial works for you now yeah um, it'll, it'll be great, yeah, to, no, great be to see that you've now you've now added in some hens and I, I could hear them there a couple of minutes in the back a couple of minutes ago in the yeah. background so uh how many hens have you got and and uh, how are they getting on up there they're they're doing well we've six hens literally just for our own consumption um the the eggs and um they have a lovely little run and coop here that they're they're happy out in they're uh giving yeah. us six lovely eggs every day and ah, it is great to have them you know they're they're also helping us do do our composting and so we've created in the run that we've done we've put in a bedding of yeah. uh of wood chip uh fine wood chip and then we've obviously that we're adding in everything all our compostable materials from the farm go in there the chickens if they like to eat it they'll eat it and yeah. if not they'll tear and pull and grab and turn it and break it down for us um, and by us doing that if it's keeping the place clean and it's um, there's no smells building up because the chickens are straight into us you know it's not kind of going anaerobic anything inside there it's straight away they're they're at it so it's it's, yeah. it's working out really well in that regard and you know they're they're happy and healthy which is the main thing um it's great you haven't added in a rooster yet with your i don't think your neighbors would like you for that one now. no i don't think they would no i'd say the old <laughs> early morning wake-up calls there could cause a bit of problems but um <laughs> no we'll, we'll 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 keep that one uh on the long finger now i'd say to be truthful but um yeah a no. little bit envious on the end on the hen front because uh, i've hens here myself as i said the off air and uh, just after being out there but we we had another visitor from a visit from a fox there about two weeks ago. Oh, that's the second the second one in, in twelve months. But that's a that's a problem you're not gonna have up on up on a roof, I no, don't think. No, we've no we've no predators in that regard. No I was that's told good. by many people that if you know, I might have other four legged friends arrive if I brought chickens up here, but we haven't had to do to deal with that at all, so I'm very happy with that. And um yeah, no, they're 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 living a good life, I think. So. That's good. That's great. Um just before we start to, to, to round off here, um, you've you've shown with great evidence that people can achieve a lot in a in an urban environment. Yeah. And be that on a small balcony or be that on a rooftop or in a back garden, you know, urban settings, people people maybe over the last, you know, ten or fifteen years maybe went away from any sort of food production in urban areas and yeah. there has been a move and probably you know, the lockdown has kicked people into it a little bit of people trialing and, and growing things. And there is, you know, there's other people like Anne Hutton who on one of the episodes of the podcast, she's a beekeeper, but she also has, you know, a very good, uh, 
a very very good urban garden with lots of different foods and herbs and we've bees coming and... next week actually so oh, this was just going to ask you because yeah. I was thinking that might be the next kind of logical step for you yeah no uh, and you do touch with the girls you do have a floral meadow up there as well which which would be great for them it is yeah it is and it's it's in full bloom now at the moment it's looking fabulous um we Brilliant. only stored it back in back in early june actually um and um like two months later the the thing has exploded really you know, there's an absolute huge variety of different flowers um and the bee population up here is is noticeably increased um, and and that's essential for us you know um yeah brilliant and how many hives are you getting uh i'd say we'll get two to start um you know we'll see it might might be one we'll see um i kind of had two in my head I think um, it would be another cool thing to have to have uh, have that up here. Um, yeah, for sure. You know. um, I was just going to ask you for advice for somebody who's getting started in an urban garden on any scale. Um, what would what would your advice be to, to somebody to get started? I suppose, like to even whatever scale you have, try something. I think what what's always easy for people to start off with is some form of container growing. Um, like I think if you look at what we're doing we're just doing container growing but on a larger scale there's nothing we have here that isn't in a container of some sort our, pot, our tomatoes are in black flower pots our potatoes are in raised beds everything's in a container um, so you know, evaluate your space see what weight is, 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 is viable or what you can you can do and then start some containers and just plant something just really just plant something start if you want to start from seed start from seed and um, but you, you can go to the garden center and start things that are that are you know growing a bit more mature but you know really even even as simple as just going if you're in your supermarket and you buy a few potted plant herbs like don't just chop them and throw them in the bin chop them and put them into a pot and let them grow back you know um, yeah. I mean, even my father did that with a coriander plant. He put it after he chopped it down. He put it into his polytunnel, and the thing went berserk altogether. So, you never know what how things will how will come on. Try them out. Yeah, get know. them back. Yeah. So. And you mentioned something earlier as well, and I think I think it is a good a good point is that um, I think you were talking about the irrigation at the time, and that you didn't quite know how to do it, but you have a go anyway and i think that's hugely important it's even if you're not 100 percent sure have a go what's the worst that can happen you know yeah absolutely uh, i mean if, if if it doesn't work you know try try five things if three of them work then happy days try something yeah. else but i mean there's certain things that will work really well in in containers i mean herbs work really well lettuce works lovely um you know like a tomato plant in a pot will work quite well you can grow potatoes very easily in a in a half decent sized pot, you know. Um, just get a few seed potatoes. Wrong time of year now to do it, but probably. But I mean, yeah. like, there's there's uh, there's loads you can do. There really is loads. You, even yeah. even just flowers and edible flowers is another really really cool thing. Or if you do have a bit, if you do a very little space, you know, maybe a bit of a trellis and something growing up it. You know, that that might be nice. You might get more yeah. some peas or something. Yeah, no, there's all there's always a way of of doing something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if we had a crystal ball and we were looking for three to five years ahead, where where would Cork Rooftop Farm be, or what what would you what would your ideal version of it be? Yeah, um, I'd love to have more rooftops, <laughs> not just not just <laughs> Co- cover the whole of Cork. I really would like to see more rooftops become green, um, and there's plenty of them in Cork that are that are viable. So, 
I'd like to see more initiative taken, not just by us, by other companies or restaurants, because there's only so much we'll be able to do. Um, so yeah. it needs to be uh, taken on by other people. And, you know, like we're, we'd be, I'd be happy if there was another five rooftop farms independent to ourselves inside in the city, you know? Um, I think that would be really cool. Um, yeah, if, that'd be brilliant. If, if our legacy in three to five years was that we had started uh, a way for people to kind of an ideology yeah, or, a, exactly. or a way of thinking in Dublin or yeah. Galway or Limerick or whatever, John. You know, then that would be that would be phenomenal. I would I would take great pride in that, John. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, yourself and Ty, I have to say, your story has been phenomenal. And to be honest with you, as I said, it has been a, a good news story through what was at times uh, probably a tough time for people, and they definitely found inspiration in your story. Um, it's it's very interesting. I'm from a farming background. I'm also from a gardening background. So for me, it was a very interesting because it's kind of combining the two of them. But I know that for people for people are listening and for people who have watched your story, it has definitely been inspirational. So fair play to you for doing that. It was it was super. Where can people find you online? Yeah, so uh, you'll get us at Cork Rooftop Farm on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and we're also on TikTok and. Uh, on Twitter as well, so whatever, whatever. So oh, you're getting going on TikTok, are you? I just started it last week now, and I can't say that I'm enamoured too much with it, but it seems to be a certain generation seems to get stuck into it, right? But we'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll give it a lash anyway. We'll give it a go. Well, listen, uh, Brian, it has been a brilliant chat, and as I say, it's a great story, inspirational story. So fair play to you, and thanks very much for coming on Master My Garden Podcast. Cheers, John. Thanks a million. So that's been this week's episode, a great chat with Brian and a really, really interesting story and I'm really interested actually to see what they're going to do over the next couple of years. Brian wasn't quite sure what exactly was going to become of this project but uh, I think I think looking at them, they're, they're going to be, you know, it's, it's going to go from strength to strength anyway for sure, whatever channel that goes down i don't know and i guess he doesn't know at this point but it really looks like it's 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 a super initiative and you know if if he can restaurants get back to normal and he can start producing stuff within within a city environment for those restaurants which are literally downstairs um you know that's that's brilliant low food miles food security and all those things so i say brilliant brilliant project and really well done to the guys for for getting it going so if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with all your gardening friends. And you can find us on Facebook at Master My Garden and Instagram at Master My Garden. And if there's anything you'd like me to cover, just let me know. Uh, lots of episodes coming up that have been requested by listeners. And it's it's great that you're, you know, some of them are not always suitable for a podcast. So I'll cover them when I get the YouTube channel up and running. But definitely there's some of them that are going to be really interesting. And it's great to cover the questions that people are answering. So that's basically this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. And until the next time, happy gardening. Mm-hmm.